fresh maniacs. I see you in that bikini, uh, just loving your summer vibes. This is summer edition, Haggard summer edition of the Shop Talk Show. I'm Dave. Been talking all day, Rupert. You can probably yeah. hear my voice. With me is Chris Coyer. Hey, every Chris, time I open a social media app, it sh- it shows me these these uh this like men's clothes called chubbies. You ever seen it? They make I don't know what they make, but what it's really trying to sell me is this American flag shorts, but overalls, and the whole thing is an American flag because it's like you know, summer, summer, summer is here. And it looks good, but I'm like you know I know my body, and it's not going to pull off. Uh, it's not going to pull off overalls at all, really. I, okay. I don't think. Yeah. Let yeah, alone yeah. American flag. And then I'm like, it looks cool. Like the branding looks cool, but then I I forget that American flag has basically been co-opted. You know, I feel like if I went in public like that, it must be like, oh, where's your AK, buddy. You know, where's your AR-15, mother? Sorry, beep that out. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> no. I was getting ads. Uh, I don't know if it's TikTok or what, but for uh, a mankini company called Budgie Smuggler, based out of Australia. <laughs> and you never know. Whoa, saw a lot those days. I've seen a lot. So. <laughs> <laughs> seen a lot of packages. Let's say a lot of packages. Uh, yeah, but anyway, what a what a fun thing to talk about here. <laughs> Where it's going to be a good one. This is going to be a good one. Talk. It's like a box of chocolates. Eric N writes in. I love this question from Eric N. Uh, it's basically about having hostage users, like like people that have to use your thing. So Eric says, I work in manufacturing and automation, and we create these web-based interfaces that the people that use them, they must use them. Their internal user or they're contractually obliged to, like, use this interface to do their job, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So he says, I often struggle with wanting to make a good product, you know, which takes more time and work and resources, you know, polish, all that. Uh, uh, But typically business Businesses invest in resources into such things because users have options and could leave, you know? So, like, if you, perhaps at Luro app, want to want to compel people to use it, you, you're trying to entice people and keep people with your beautiful UI and UX. Right. The stuff right. Eric is working on, it doesn't matter. They have to use it because it's just part of their job or whatever. So he's kind of asking, how much polish effort would you put into such a project with these kind of captive audiences? Do you have any you know, specific things that you would or wouldn't use and that, that kind of thing? Part of what I think of is like, I, I think that's a very cool opportunity, assuming that it's not just your... What I worry about is that you just have to churn them out. That like this is your 80th one this year, and you have to make them quickly. If that's not the case, and it's your full time job to make this interface, it's like the most excellent opportunity for polish ever. Those users using it, they will definitely have opinions on how it works, and would, I'm sure it would be more than happy to tell you ways you could improve it. Whereas that's otherwise hard information to drag out of somebody. You know, you got to entice them with Starbucks gift cards and all that crap. You know? No, I mean you have users and and it was um you know i think like i don't know i i I think you have a good time or good opportunity to make it better and be like best in class because because can i give you an example can i chuck an example out Mm -hmm. at you uh have you ever used a point of sale machine have you been a waiter before chris or something or like well sure at a couple years locked in at applebee's you know it depends though i worked at some places where the point of sale was like a little dingy notepad with a pencil so there's that (laughs) in the the mechanical credit card swiper (laughs) (laughs) um but like like point of sale software 
horrible. I mean, it still kind of is, like, on average, I think, right? Like, it, it's, oh, yeah, dude. it's basically, like, these little blue squares that you tap on this, like, right. v- very awful touchscreen. And- I tried to order a glass of wine at the coffee shop the other day. You know, it was late in the day. Don't judge me. But obviously, people don't order wine that much there because they were trying to use their POS machine and, 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 and having it be, like, where is wine? You know, it took them like four minutes to dig through the menus to find this order. Anyway, you know what I mean? A player like Square comes along and is like, guess what? You just put your products in here. You get a cool credit card payer, a tappy to pay, and and you get all these buttons. And then look, flip the screen around, boop, sign a tip. Like revolutionary. I mean, like literally my... <laughs> the the snow cone place we go to with my our kids has Square, you know, and it's like fully powered by Square. Like they configure the products and then they f- show you the phone and they're like, "How much do you want to tip me?" You know, and it's three hundred dollars because they charge too much, but that's fine. <laughs> Actually, revolutionary. Every single person who sells something individually in person uses Square. It's crazy. I always wonder, are they their own payment processor too? Or if you use Square, do you also need to sign up for Stripe or whatever to actually process no, the cards? No, I think they're, it's, they're the processor. Yeah. So I think, or they have That's some cool. gateway tie-in. But um, so I'm not saying like you're like, whatever you, you work on the P90X machine and it punches out 80 widgets a minute, you know, and like, no one's going to like, there's not a lot of P90X machines because you have a patent or whatever. Like, sure, you kind of have like a monopoly on the situation. But I think like there's situations where a competitor might come along and offer just a little bit better of a interface and you're out. I mean, like part of the reason I bought my Volvo car was because it had the big touchscreen in the middle, you know, like it had this beautiful interface and it's part of the reason I didn't buy like a Honda Pilot, which is basically like the same car, but I just didn't like the interface. You know, I'm picky. You're we're in the Apple generation. You know, it just doesn't um, sound right to say your Volvo has a bigger POS. It's, it's it not, does. It's not. It's not. It does. It's different. It's a different, different POS. POS. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, I there. I also so I worked for a large pizza company. Uh, and they have a monopoly, like on their point of sale systems, which are custom point of sale systems. But uh, I know they just went through an effort to like make them better. And and it's like it's really interesting because it's like this huge cost because you're moving somebody's cheese. They have all this muscle memory for how to operate the point of sale on the phone, like mm. eyes closed. They could like do this. So if you move things too much, whoa you messed up somebody's flow and they ordered the wrong pizza or whatever. And so, and then even just deploying it out to all these, like, you know, Linux systems, I think, or Android systems or whatever it was like, like deploying that out was a whole big deal. But like, you know, I I think there's like some challenges too in this, like making good hardware products, you know? And um, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just you, kind of have to maybe like set a vision for what it could be or start talking about like we need a design language like every app is like different and we just need like a really good you know uh language so i don't know i i would probably try to put as much polish as i could i mean 
I yeah, know. I mean, what, what do you what do you expect our advice to be? Do a bad job. I mean, I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> phone it in, get the paycheck. And yeah, move. but what's a version of phoning it in that's a little more realistic? You know, is it is it like make a super generic, make your version of you know Bootstrap POS or whatever, so that the next time you have to build one, you just use that framework and you've kicked it out in two seconds and. Basically, it's big, fat, chunky buttons and Helvetica or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so, sort of like the company's standard, like, do they value design is, plays into this too. I mean, like, would you drive your Tesla? Would you buy the Tesla if it had, like, Twitter bootstrap as the UI? Probably not. That's I, the great irony of those things, isn't it? Is that so many people reach for component existing libraries because it like material design or whatever. Oh, that's gonna it's actually gonna be good design. You know, I'm gonna do it on purpose. But then none of the companies that are really big, you know, the really no nobody uses anything off the shelf. You know, yeah. that if you're looking for premium, you're in custom territory no matter what. I th- I think so. Yeah. So it's like, are you a premium brand? I don't know. Are you a, a middle middle of the road brand? Like you can maybe like kind of, you know, I I think like you'll find something that works, you know, but, you know, but maybe there's too many unknowns here. Like how many of these things are you maintaining? You know, if you, if you have 80 of them that are under your preview that you need to maintain for years to come, you probably should have some kind of standard lib for it rather Mm -hmm. than doing it bespoke each time. If you have one client and you're building, you know, some kind of cool interface for one of them to use then just do it really super bespoke for their needs and that's unknown that's not information we have in this questions yeah i mean i don't know Uh, now i'm like because like you know there's like like view and web components in space on the like dragon x capsule and stuff like that i mean like the people are making stuff that runs hardware you know controls hardware it's very bespoke but i i think like you could make an argument like Good companies are doing this well, you know, um, and and there may even be like some some dumb thing you'd be like, I don't know, find some quote where it's like, you know, President Trump sat in the seat of the Dragon X capsule and he liked it way more than the Bezos capsule. And that's why they got the government contract for a billion jillion dollars. I don't know. I mean, stuff like that happens, man. I don't know. So you have to think, think. What's your audience? I don't know. That's probably yeah. There you go. Have have the equal and opposite uh, budget as your audience. So that that would be my recommendation. So. We got another. Uh, we're, uh, the, the the theme today is very real world niche situations. <laughs> good, good. Welcome to yeah. niche talk. Yeah, Felix writes in about he's building a Nuxt Shopify store, right? So, mm-hmm. so Nuxt site must be hitting Shopify APIs to pull product data and inventory and who knows what else. And then using a headless WordPress site for the site's editorial content must be like landing pages for products or blog posts or whatever. And it's working great. Cool. But notably, there's three pretty big pieces of technology there, right? Nuxt and Shopify and WordPress. Mm -hmm. Right away, Mm -hmm. I'm like, ooh, that's a a lot. Yeah, got a few. Got a few things. Yeah. It's amazing if it would be amazing if I could create a custom Gutenberg block that pulls in from the same Shopify API that I'm using for my Nuxt front end so that the client could drop products into their posts and pages like you can drop in images. So just like, yeah, like a little, a little Shopify block. 
I've oh, never yeah, created yeah. a custom Gutenberg block, and I'm quite experienced with WP, ACF, meaning advanced custom fields, less so with React. Would it be a plugin? Where do I put the API key, etc.? What I'd be surprised is like there must be a Shopify blocks already. Like it's a there's are both very huge products, and there's freaking no way there's not Shopify blocks already. So mm-hmm. Felix, I think you're in luck. Just Google whatever Shopify block for WordPress. And there's a hundred percent chance that you're going to find options there, and just use that. I wouldn't hand write that. Yeah, no. I don't even know how Nuxt factors into this. Really, you're not really talking about that. You're just plucking products from your Shopify store. Yeah, I mean, it looks. I'm look. I just found one Shop WP. I'm not saying that's the one, but that seems like the they exist, right? So, yeah. but yeah, I mean, that would be ideal. Is like you don't even. Yeah, you know, if this is all WordPressy stuff, you know, you could kind of because Nux just is rendering your WordPress content, I assume somehow. But um, oh, is that uh, what's happening? Ooh, yeah, so. I think Nux is being the bridge. I think between the product renderer and the content renderer. Oh yeah, because he's saying headless WordPress. Yeah. So you, okay, so there's only one website. It's the Nuxt website, which is plucking some of its content from the Shopify store, and some of its content from Headless WordPress. And Headless WordPress should use that same API. He's saying, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the WordPress plugin will handle where you put your API key. It's ultimately going to land in the database somewhere. So at least you don't have to worry about like checking it into your repo or anything like that. And you may even want something. You could you could look at how the block works but you kind of want just something dumber that just gives you like a product id you know like um so yeah maybe because if you have to build these exactly if you have to build um the front end in nuxt anyway you almost like want to do that component construction on the nuxt side Mm -hmm. meaning yeah yeah you're right like the block would just be like give me give me three product ids That'll give them to Nuxt, and Nuxt will build the component on its side, rather than having some of your HTML and crap be on the WordPress side, some of your HTML and crap be on the Nuxt side. That might get annoying after a while. So if WordPress was just giving you data, it might be better. Yeah, you might do. Yeah, I figure, figure out how to do that. I mean, you know, and then people, too, like, like... Don't underestimate the dumb way, if that makes sense. Like, you could make a Gutenberg block that just has, like, you know, the namespace, you know, like Shopify stuff goes here or something, <laughs> whatever you want to do. But then, and then it's just three text inputs where people can go to the website and copy the SKU and paste it in. Like, it sounds dumb. Or maybe they post the URL, they paste the URL, right? And you, like, futz you regex the url to crap and try to get the the skew out of that like like don't you don't have to build the full going out and fetching all the data and getting it super pristine you don't have to build out the full full hunt you know yeah ten thousand dollar experience you can probably build a two hundred dollar one hundred dollar experience and it like gets the idea across and then if people use it then blow it out you know yeah, so. there you go. Demo, demo, demo. Demo, demo, demo. Yeah, it does occur to me that if you use one of these off-the-shelf plugins like I started uh, touting for you there, it's going to produce a very specific set of HTML that will come across 
when you hit the WordPress API, it'll have a bunch of class names and crap in that HTML that style that component in a certain way, which will not be present on your Nuxt site unless you deconstruct that plugin and figure out where the styles come from and pluck them out and put them in your Nuxt.js site. You know, like that's a weird thing with the API. You know that the CSS isn't in line; it doesn't just come along for the ride. Maybe it would if they built it with web components, but I promise you they didn't. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Well, and then, uh, you know, how deep do you want this to go? You know, do you want customization? Do you want just one picture? Do you want the, the little color picker? You know, how deep are you wanting to go? Um, and uh, one thing I'd worry about a plugin, this is not, again, talking us out of the plugin now, <laughs> is it probably <laughs> wants to, like, inject some kind of checkout flow into your WordPress site, and that may cause you problems, like, mm, just with your general flow. But, uh, but. I would try that. That would be a place I'd start. It's like, is there a plugin that kind of gets me there? Yes or no. And then B, is there a, could I just do a, a really lazy block that just I has three text inputs that you paste URLs? Yes. And then yeah. step four would be 4,000 would be the like, making a big thing that fetches products and you click the products and you add them to the page and you hmm. customize on the WordPress thing that then goes to the next thing that then goes to the Shopify thing. That would be the big, I'd do that later. So yeah. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by DQ Systems, makers of the beloved and powerful Axe DevTool browser extension. You probably didn't set out to build a website that was purposely inaccessible to people with disabilities. I know, I never do that. But uh, you may have, especially if you aren't testing for digital accessibility. Start accessibility testing in just minutes with the free Axe DevTools extension for Chrome, Edge, or Firefox. Uh, dev teams can find and fix accessibility bugs with very little effort and no ex accessibility expertise. That's because the plugin like tells you what to do. You know, you like visit a URL, it gives you a bunch of advice. You take the advice. It's great. If you want access to even more features like sharing, saving, exporting, semi-automated tests and more, which are very cool, by the way, I've tried all this stuff. You can sign up for a free trial of Axe DevTools Pro. Visit DQ, that's D-E-Q-U-E dot -E com slash shop talk to get started. That's D-E-Q-U-E dot -E com slash shop talk. Remember... Friends don't let friends ship inaccessible code. Shane O'Sullivan writes in, have you ever published a VS Code extension? If so, what did you think of the experience? Uh, I wanted to share a common view boilerplate with my team, so I created a simple a code snippet extension, and uh, we'll include a link in the show notes, but um, it's called Viewlets. Um, the process was funky, though. Had to spin up an Azure DevOps organization, got bounced between 700 Microsoft domains just to log in and publish. Makes me think MS is using some of its more popular assets to juice its numbers elsewhere in the ecosystem uh, and feels kind of gross. What's your... Uh, have, you, have you published a... Uh, uh, VS Code no. plugin? No. But it, it surprised me that you have to make an org to do it. Because it seems like most of these are under an individual's name. So, like, that seems sucky. 
And of course, they're trying to juice their numbers on a, you know, use their popular products. To, everybody does that. That's just a thing that <laughs> happens, you know, what, like it or not. But yeah, I mean, is the process great? Oh, I'm sure it's not, <laughs> you know. I, uh, <laughs> Azure stuff's always been tough for me. You know, it's, it's, I've used it in the past and I just, I get in there and I think it's still probably charging me $300 a month for something. I don't know. It's just like, there's, (laughs) there's stuff, you know, it's just, I feel like it's kind of hard. So I I just, yeah, that's been like my, um, I haven't done it, but I do, I have, I want to make a theme. I've had the idea to make a theme. I think too, one thing to notice or think about is a lot of these people who have marketplace extensions or, you know, they had something on Sublime that was on GitHub, and they had something already on Atom. And then it was just like, well, that's just one little hoop to jump through, or maybe even Microsoft jumped through the hoop for them. So that could be a thing, too. Um, yeah, that's I know like a thing. Microsoft has little hack days, you know, or, you know, education-y hack days, you know, developer conferences where they're like, hey, let's all get into a room and release a plugin, you know, that we'll never maintain. So um, (laughs) it's all good. But it's it's giving me memories of like, this is years ago, there there was used to be a Yahoo weather app for iOS that was so good. And it was so strange because it was like unlike anything Yahoo ever did like design language style and it always felt like Apple made this for you they they made this they gave it to you and you put your logo on it and then it just was good you know it just it like it had to be you know it felt like that yeah anyway but you don't yeah, have to they, make it if you just want to make a theme. I bought that Dracula theme. I'm a little behind the market on that. A little pricey, maybe for just a a theme kind of thing. But I kept it kept coming up in my head, you know, like oh, this is the premium color theme. Looks so good, you know, and and it comes with themes for all kinds of different stuff. It's just obviously super well done. So I'm like, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna buy it. And it comes with you know this big thing you download, and it even has you know wallpapers and educational eBooks and all kinds of you know. When you buy Dracula Pro, you buy this big pack of stuff, whether you like it or not. But the VS Code theme is just a file with a .vsix extension. So, Dave, if you really wanted to do a theme, you don't necessarily have to put it in the you know marketplace.visualstudio.com. You could just be like, "Here's the Visix file. It's a gist. Take it or leave it." You know? Yeah, yeah. I think that's an an option too. I mean. I thought it would be cool to make a plugin, even just for like projects, you know, like, you know, like, um, have you used Tailwind in a project before? And like the autocomplete is really awesome. And and I think it's because it does some stuff to like seed IntelliSense its list of class names, you know? So I always thought like for like a, if you had a design system or whatever, like being able to seed that your list of class names or whatever, you know, would be awesome for authoring, you know, or, or even just like, you know, kind of Sarah Drasner or, or this Viewlets, uh like style autocomplete, you know, you could just like type the component name and hit tab sort of like Emmet style and it would just spit out the component, you know, like the, the HTML you'd need for that component. 
Like I always oh, thought yeah, that'd, that'd be, be cool. Kind of... Like if, if maybe if you get a namespace, you type open angle bracket, you know, DS for design system dash, and then a bunch of things come up of all the components in the design system. Then you select one. Then it pre-fills all the attributes that that particular component has as part of its API. Oh, that'd be cool. Wouldn't that be cool? I mean, just kind of like even, yeah, in like if you're in React land, like it, it would do it to your system, right? Like it would just be like, cool, here it is. Here's all your, you know, like we can, we here's your component and here's all the APIs and delete the stuff you don't need. So I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, but yeah. hey, maybe Copilot's getting us close to that too, though. Hey, hey, I don't know. Yeah, so. maybe, although it's like the long way around, isn't it? Instead yeah. of just teaching it the few things it needs to know, analyze every piece of code ever written and then apply computer science, you know, apply artificial intelligence to it. And then it'll know that you have eight components. Yeah. Yeah. Funny, so. but it does work. Are you going to, are you going to, are you going to, are you going to pay the hundred dollars? Oh, crucially, are you going to pay a hundred dollars for every single employee at Lero app? Mm, yeah. You know, <laughs> um, good question. Well, I have a post kind of, it might be out by this time. I don't know if I'll ever publish it actually, but it, it, cause we had that episode would be Dougie and Rizelle, uh, yeah. and we were talking about it and I just was like, uh, it stuck with me. Like the posture when I use Copilot changed, right? Like it went from like, now I'm writing code to now I'm like reading code and I'm code reviewing this robot, you know, like, and I (laughs) don't like the code reviewing posture as much as the writing code posture, you know? And so I, I don't feel like I'm just like in tab of Valhalla, like, just like, yeah, dude, I'm rocking, you know, I'm playing an instrument. I don't feel like that yet, you know, but maybe I would if I kept doing it. Um, I reinstalled it after that and I tried to, and I, cause I'm writing, doing kind of a test sprint kind of thing. And I just was like, you know, I'm just going to like bust out some tests. That seems like bread and butter for a robot, right? Like, <laughs> like hopefully it can help me. And it actually did a good job. It wrote some tests, but it had some downsides, right? Like it, yeah. it kind of wrote, it, it used the like two match snapshot in jest, which was cool, but then it just created all the snapshots. Like when jest encounters that and it's like, I don't have a snapshot. It just like, <clears throat> like starts generating snapshots. And I was like, Whoa, 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 buddy. I don't actually want that right now. Like snapshots mm. are cool, but it's also kind of like, like, your driver's license photo, you know, it's like, it's kind of like, it's never going to look like that ever again. So it's just <laughs> like, that's a really bad way to take a photo of me. So, um, so like, uh, it definitely changes the equation when you have to pay money for something you're not sure you a hundred percent love, you know, but if somebody's like Dave, for $100, I can make coding easier for, for your whole year, coding will be a little bit easier. Easy, slam dunk, hundred dollars, go. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I'm not. Yeah, they're definitely going to make money. I mean, I don't know what their costs have been so far, but there's enough people that are going to. But it's, their it's weird. Bucks. It's like two x the GitHub membership. You know, like that's that's what gets me. Is that like, is a little oh, weird? Yeah, yeah. It, it costs more like, than your org does the dang thing. In in the the price like pisses me off and I think that's like <laughs> makes it good. You know, I yeah, think that's kinda. like $10, a hundred dollars a year. Jeez. Oh yeah. man. But like compared to the value of GitHub itself, it's like 
nothing, you know? Yeah. It, it's really, it's like buying a printer for $49 and paying $200 for the ink or whatever the crap Kind of is. getting into that world. Isn't yeah. It? It's just like, oh, you wanted to write code? Well, that's way more. <laughs> that's, yeah, you want to write. <laughs> you just do your code and, and GitHub's basically free, but you wanted to write code? Oh, yeah. Sorry, Charlie. I think there's a sweet spot of your that I happen to be in with my on my Go journey that it's really pretty helpful in that language where I probably shouldn't have had it on early days and you get you mm-hmm. know spend a lot of time with the syntax in your early journey just write it out write it out even tutorials you know just mm-hmm. copy them word for word. And then when you're really good, it annoys you, too, because you you already have in mind what you're doing. So there's this, like, middle zone where you are a very amateur at a language that it helps you the most. So it's that middle chunk that it's most valuable in, I think. I think it. I think it's helpful. I, you know, I, I think, too, one thing that's interesting, this is sort of the meta problem, is, like, where is it getting its information from? You know, like, is this GPL? Is this MIT or whatever? Um, I think that's it's really interesting. And uh, I actually kind of welcome it, like, this whole copyright lawsuit that's going to happen, you know? Like, I just... Code copyright is kind of stupid, but that's just me. I don't know. Like, it's, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe we just need like a, like, you know, like GPL is awesome, but it's just, you know, then your whole product has to be free, you know, if you have any GPL, you know. But then like MIT is just like, oh, you can share it. So are people yeah. pissed because GitHub's going to make a bunch of money off code that everybody else wrote? I kind of get that, but it's like they can't—they don't—they can't—they're not uniquely doing that. Like you could have done that also. Yeah, yeah, totally right. Like you could have scanned GitHub or whatever, or NPM or something. Yeah. You know, like I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's—they have a unique advantage that they are hosting the code in some way, you know, but certainly, yeah, I don't know. I I just kind of welcome this idea that like code can be written by a robot now, you know? And so like, um, maybe like our idea of copying has to change because now it's really just like, I found this on the internet, you know, like it's basically you know, I found it on the internet. It does like, need to change a little bit. I mean, do you don't you think about like my 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 sister uh, is right? You know, has this draft of a, a kid's book. You know, and I wanted mm-hmm. she had questions for me. I don't know anything about it, but I was trying to ask around, see what people thought and stuff. And it, but then mixed with my own opinions too, I'm like, you got to have, you can't. You're not a trained drawer. You know, like maybe it would be a little endearing to draw your own little stuff, even though it's highly amateur or something, but. I don't think you're going to get the kind of readership of this book if it's like you plus some crayons, right? Hire an illustrator. There's lots of illustrators in the world. They'll do an, a, you know, an amazing job and make this thing feel like the professional thing it deserves to be. So I don't know how you find the perfect illustrator. That's going to be its old journey itself, but certainly it's it's doable. Oh, wait, why don't you type in you know, the Raisin Bran son wearing shorts into Dolly, click right-click save, and now you have... Now you have a, you you just bought an illustrator because you just typed in what you wanted into a freaking image generation machine. A little weird. I mean, yeah. And and that's like, it might look amazing, you know? Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's funny. It's like, I'm, my brain's like, you can't do that for a kid's book. 
But for a BuzzFeed article, yes, you know, like, like, why would those, you know, why would I treat those differently, you know? And because they're, they're the same thing, you know. So I don't know, man. Maybe mm. you can. And then there's like a question of like who gets paid, but like, does the robot who stole stuff from the internet do they actually deserve a cut of the money? I don't know. Like, I don't know. Anyway. It's it's all interesting, and I'm looking forward to the future copyright fights uh, as robots yeah. assimilate uh, the human workforce. So, today's episode is brought to you by Wolvic XR Browser. Check out the new open source Wolvic XR Browser by our friends at Agalia. If you've been listening to the show, you probably know about Agalia. They've been doing a lot of cool stuff um, and bringing us lots of things on the web, like, I don't know, CSS Grid, the Has Selector, uh, unblocking container queries, uh, Focus Visible through their open prioritization effort, MathML, you can put math on a web page. It's a long list. They have the second most contributions to Chromium and WebKit, and they're building their own browser now. So uh, it's available uh, on a bunch of XR devices, Oculus, Huawei, VR Glass, HTC Vive, Focus, uh, Pico Interactive Links. I didn't even know Links was a, a VR headset, uh, but it, it's it is and it's cool. And uh, there's it's coming to more soon. So uh, check out Wolvic.com for more. W O L V I C dot com for more. Uh, thank you, Agalia, for sponsoring the show. Well, like you said, we just had B. Dougie and Rizal on the show, and we talked a lot about GitHub Actions. Um, and then now we have a question here, uh, more like a, actually a little follow-up from Russell Heimlich, uh, referencing something else you mentioned even before that show about, like, I want, I kind of want, like, when my GitHub Action is done for it to go ding, <laughs> you yeah. know, like a toaster yeah. ding or something. He's like, yeah, you can absolutely do that. There's a thing called a webhook action that you can apply, which is in the GitHub marketplace. So interesting that, you know, oh, that's, that's part of how that stuff comes together, right? Like you could write it yourself, but they don't, they almost don't want you to with GitHub actions. It's like, no, just plunk this one in there, which is kind of what I think the model that kind of Netlify was hoping for with their like build process step things, you know, like just, just pluck them off the shelf let you know let the sitemap builder just bloop and work he's just saying if you do that though then you just got you know once you have a webhook then you're off to the races you know just have your little raspberry pi be listening for that webhook on the internet and have it hit a bell or something i don't know oh man yeah this is really interesting so like so the webhook could just whatever hit some url and then that URL could play some noise. Yeah, that could just be a browser window you have open listening for webhooks on a socket or something. I don't know. That's a million things. It makes me wonder how how convoluted we could make DevOps, you know? Be like, the GitHub Actions finishes. It hits a webhook, which triggers a Netlify build, which when it finishes, you know, commits a file to this other thing, which kicks off an Azure DevOps flow, which, you know... Like, how how insane could you make a... Well, no, I mean, well, this could work today. I kind of went down a path of building an extension that, like, lists, like, like I was like, could I find the event that triggers, the custom event that triggers when an action completes, you know, and then on whatever, action finished, ding, you know, play some wave file or something. Yeah. Um, 
oh, this is funny. Russell's really literally points to a repo, which the description is trigger sound effects from a webhook. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, that's jackpot. what this I2O is. You can play sounds or listen to a message using text to speech. So you would just spin this up at some server. You'd have to have the browser window open, I imagine, or mm-hmm. whatever, but it's pretty ready to go. Interesting. Fun. Runs Python. I don't know how to do that, but I could probably put it somewhere. So Maybe. Well, good question. I have to execute some Python code on a cloud server. Go. DigitalOcean, maybe? Dio. Dio. We're going to choose Heroku? Dio. Roku can do it. Um, we'll see. Yeah. Hey, this is cool. Thank you, Russell. This is pretty, uh, pretty interesting. I just, <clears throat> I, I like the webhook, like adding another webhook to my a webhook action. I like that that idea of like, go do this. You know. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It would be cool if there was like an event hook. Like, could I just trigger a custom event? Because then I'm just like, play sound. Ba-ding. What you'd want is like so. a little menu bar app, though, right? That's the that would be the because then you don't yeah. have to, you don't have to have to be at a website for it to work. You want it to be on your system. Yeah, well, and that would be cool too. Is like in the webhook, like I get like a yeah, maybe that's the solution. There is like, um, doesn't Jim Nielsen have like a Netlify deploy toolbar thing? Like, like I could have it just basically like. Be like, okay, actions are running, and there's like a little running man or green icon spinning or something, and then or it turns green when it's done. Like that's all I want. I just want done in a ding, and like or a <laughs> plunk when it fails or something like that. Like just give me that. I wonder how you you could distribute it. Like if you're gonna build a thing like for all Luro app employees or something that would like do confetti on their screen when you sold a account or something. Could you have multiple apps listening to the same webhook, you know, or is that Ooh. like antithetical to how the, is that like the reverse internet? I don't know. Well, <laughs> how does that work? Cause you could certainly like po- use if this, then that or something and post some Slack message or something, but I don't know how you get it to blast confetti, but you could totally put a <laughs> gif or something, you know? Um, <laughs> But that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Maybe this is the next expressive layer of the web is like a public hooks API or, or web hook. And then you're like, go do this thing. Like, just go celebrate something or whatever. So, I don't know. Uh, I got one here from Ben LeBron. Sorry, I'll chuck him a few more in the in the, sure. in the thing here. He's, he's wondering, uh, uh, what are your thoughts on static site builders that look to compete with WordPress, such as Statamic or Statamic? I forget what that one's called, Jack, right? Public, with no other, you know, no database. What are your experience them and would you recommend them to a beginner familiar with static site generators but don't want to go the headless CMS route? Would love something akin to Jamstack WordPress. Yes, I've been saying that forever, right? Give me the... Give me Astro in the front and WordPress in the back <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Which you'd ever want. I don't mean to answer that. We don't have to dig too much into it. Only saying that we're going to have some creators of CMSs like this on the show this summer. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll abstain from going too deep in this till we can talk to them. But feel free to, if you have a thought, Dave. To, you know. No, I, I like, it feels like, especially as the winds of change are happening and it's things are going more server side this seems like something that should exist right like like because your options were like 
WordPress only server. And then it was like, well, or React all client, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then you, and then Jamstack sort of came along and said, why not both? Or, you know, or like, we're whatever, you know, uh, but static is probably your best bet, you know, like statically generate everything. And so, but I feel like there's some middle ground here for a hybrid approach, you know? And so I, I think like it would be cool if something was like, Hey, I, I, I am more dynamic in the back end, but I, uh, but I more or less function like a static site. That would be pretty cool, you know? So, um, there's this, you know, if you do one thing and do it well kind of thing that if you make a great CMS, you know, people will find a way to use it. Mm-hmm. And if you make a great, you know, site building system, people will use it too. And they kind of want them both. And it's hard to pull off both together in a single product. Pretty tricky stuff there. It, it, there is this like disconnect though. That's like, yeah, you got this, you know, like what's the best headless CMS? That's I bet probably has come up. Didn't that just come up in the Discord the other day? Somebody was asking yeah, about that. Maybe, yeah. And it was like, what? I don't know. What is the best headless CMS? Um, and it's like I don't know. There's Contentful. There's there's Sanity. There's you know, and they're all they're not all the same. It's not like just pick one and use it. They all have different trade offs and stuff. But it's like. What is that? What are you asking essentially? Because if you if you get that good, then what? There's another like half of the coin that's that's there, and I always found it weird that there's a like a disconnect between the place where you create the content, which is super important to me. I think that's like almost like don't care as much about the front end. Like I'll find a way to freaking make a website. Like not worried about that. I'm worried yeah. about what the experience of of crafting the content is, and that if if you were truly isolated, like the CMS had no opinion whatsoever about the front end, like how awkward that is. You know, like when I build content, I almost expect to be thinking about where it goes and what it's doing on the front end too. And it's just my lack of experience or like that I've done it a certain way so many times, but it feels so awkward to me to like go in and like craft a bunch of content and not be thinking about like where it's routed on the front end. You're just like that's not my responsibility. The the site builder will deal with routing. Even with the idea of like columns, right? Like I want this image next to this image. Now your display and your CMS are starting to get connected. You know, but they you, are. You'd, they are. Yes. You'd really expect though to in the authoring phase to be able to express, hey, these two things are next to each other. You know, and so, you know, I think Gutenberg does a pretty good job of it. You know, like. Here, they kind do of do, but it's, it's almost because of the existence of trust. Like, I use that feature because I think that's nice to be able to do columns right in the CMS. And so I, like, pluck out the CSS. That's exactly what the WordPress admin uses to put on the front end because I want there to be that, like, perfect connection forever between mm-hmm. the admin experience and the front end experience. But that's weird, you know? Like I don't, I don't you know, I don't trust that everybody does that necessarily, especially in a headless CMS situation. Imagine a world where WordPress ships some web components in the back end, the odd editing interface and the front end interface use the same layout components. Imagine this. That would be crazy. It's, it's actually like a really good idea, you know? Yeah. I've always thought like layout components would be a killer web component feature. Like like the app 
<laughs> layout with the little sidebar on the side and the the big column in the middle, you know, or like like uh, or like a search bar, and then you even get into like this idea, like maybe that app layout could um, morph like into like a dual screen, you know, like like for uh, those Windows phones or whatever, and <laughs> the Surface Duo, I think is what it's called, or like there's this new thing where like in an Electron app you can like. Basically, if the Chrome is removed, you can like, like suck your UI up into the the oh. top like stripe. Right, right. And so, like, I, I think it would be cool if there was like layout machines that kind of did this, you know, for like PWAs and, and Electron apps and stuff like that. Or yeah, that's um, a good idea. I don't know. Text me. Give me ten percent royalties. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of web components, Stuart Pullinger writes in, have you heard of the block protocol? Block here, meaning just the, oh, yeah. Yeah. It, this was that, who was it? Was this, it's, is it the Stack Overflow? Dude, this, it was some, it's like a famous internet guy who decided to do this. Who's the famous internet guy? I missed it. Um, but it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, famous internet guys like, you know what the internet needs? Blocks. I'm going to do this from scratch without really f- totally discounting the, all the achievements of web components so far. And then, and even WordPress too. But I think in the launch blog post, it was kind of like, you know how Notion has blocks and WordPress has blocks? Like that, but our blocks. Yeah, um, I would love to. I think the the view is matured more because I think people in the web component sphere and the like, even open UI sphere, were were kind of like, "Hey, we should talk," you know? Because uh, yeah, when it launched, it was like, "We are fixing UI," and it's like, "Well, yeah, it was cool. tone there's deaf. That's what it was to me. A little yeah. tone deaf." And and there's it was kind of like, "Well, yeah, too." Um, Let's do it. Uh, but there's also some other people who are working on it. And so... Joel Spolsky, that's who it was. Joel Spolsky's Joel on software, Joel. Um, so, like, I think it was cool. But I, I think, yeah, it was it was kind of like, I think, came from, like, a React world and a I use Notion world. And um, uh, But that's, you know, that's fine that there's different corners of the internet. Maybe it's a good idea. But, you know, I think WordPress is way ahead with this in that those blocks... The Gutenberg thing project is open source. It like mm-hmm. already is this. Not on, and they it, with the same goal. They want you to use it in other stuff. Yeah. And I know maybe that's a power play or something. You know, maybe you know if you make all the other CMSs feel like WordPress, why don't you just use WordPress or something? So I don't know if it's you know maybe there's some weird secret nefarious stuff or something. But I kind of doubt it. You know, I kind of mm-hmm. they just want people to use good software and that's that. So, but protocol means something else than just straight up. What is the HTML of this block or whatever? I'm sure it has something to do with how multiple blocks interface or how they nest or what the API for them should be like and stuff. I'm sure. Yeah, what the data store is and stuff. I mean, I'm looking at one. It's like like a uh, like a Notiony style table with like filtering and sorting and you know how Notion does that and like you say like what column and ascending descending you know show high different columns and stuff like it's pretty awesome like i like that you know or spreadsheet or video tag you know yeah fine i don't know 
I'm I'm into like UI. I think what what's a bummer is I do not use React, so I cannot use this stuff. You know what I mean? So unless it oh, this is React specific. No way. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. So really. um, So I mean, but but here's here's what I'll also say. There are whole corners of the internet that believe React one UI is a solved problem. React one. So. Don't, why would you use anything else? There's like VCs and people like that who absolutely 100,000% think that. TypeScript 1, 2. So sorry. You it's just a have to. tricky because it's, you know, it is pretty dominant at the moment, but there's so many it won, popular Chris. alternatives it at the won. moment. <laughs> it won. Fair enough. Fair enough. Why would you use anything else? And so, so taking that into consideration, they probably made a great bet because like people have React stuff and so they want to whatever ride the cool wave so that's yeah, that's maybe. fine too but the, what i'm thinking though is like i don't think joel spolsky really gives a crap about like the vc of this he's he's in, he's in that phase of life of the like i'm more interested in changing the world kind of thing than yeah rubbing some yeah. vc shoulders so the choice here is is questionable we'll say stuart wrote in shouldn't we use shouldn't we be using web components for this Yes, we should, Stuart. Good question. Isn't I this think just so. a <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Isn't this because you can still do interesting block protocol stuff, but un, you know, use web components as the core technology powering it. Like, why not? Is this just a workaround until unless React has decent support for web components? I don't I don't know enough about it to answer that one, but maybe well, and I, I think like I think that is is part of it too right like i, I think like <clears throat> react is the cool kid react is the popular react one so react doesn't support web components viz viz no web components you know like yeah. like like in some ways we like our 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 hype cycles and our survivorship biases are playing against each other we're just like oh it's big it won coke pepsi coke you know like that's the only one that matters you know and and we're we're not even open to a dr pepper option so yeah but you know i mean the the aspect of that though is that coke might be dominant forever like they they have been for a long time but react like will not be like it just won't you know like there's no evidence that a piece of third-party technology hangs on for 50 years or something like it's, that's just not going to happen. Have you got kind of interested in some ASP.NET, Chris? Is it? <laughs> it's just uh, the front end is just different, like that. A, a different ideas will come along, and things will evolve, and it just won't be the darling. You know, things can hang on for a while, but to to base the whole thing on that seems seems silly especially when there's web platform stuff that really will be around for that long because that's how the web platform works now to be fair you know wordpress's block thing is also react you know so it's not like they're doing any better in that department uh yeah well so uh, yeah so the heart is awesome is in the right place i think everyone wants more richer newer ui you know and like and then there's people on browsers, Nicole Sullivan, working on this stuff. Like, let's do it, you know? When is it going to happen? I do not know, man. So, and, and I guarantee you the JavaScript stuff will move faster than web standard stuff. And so, you might, this might be a great place to start, you know? 
So. Mm -hmm. His final question is, is the term widget to Web (laughs) 1.0? Nope, widget's Mm. coming back. It's coming back. Widget's back, baby. (laughs) Good question. Remember that? Do they really use the word widget in their marketing? That would be a YouTube comment that call this like Web 2.0. Do you remember that? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. Still cry about it. (laughs) People on the internet are mean. Did we? I, I kind of missed that one. I'd like to really? read that. It was something like, it was like, when I hear you guys talk about floats, I'm like, no one uses that. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> okay, did, perhaps we were explaining something. <laughs> so we are explaining a very old way to do it. Yeah, so. it's not like I wake up in the morning and crack my knuckles and just find find elements to float, you know. Yeah, no, we are just explaining a a older problem and why it is weird. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> uh, people are mean on the internet. I'm too soft. So, all right, uh, <laughs> we should wrap it up. Hey, thank you, dear listener, for asking questions. Man, this show is brought to you by you and your ability to ask questions. So we really appreciate that. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Shop Talk Show for 16 tweets a month. Uh, head over to the Discord or patreon.com slash Shop Talk Show for the Discord because it's fun in there. And then, um, yeah, we have uh, uh, I, I'm so I've, I'm out of words, Chris. So I'm going to hand it over to you. You got anything else you'd <laughs> like to say? My brain is fully shot. I feel shot. like you overestimate how many times we tweet in a month, too. You know? Oh what, yeah, I thought I thought with videos we'd go up. So maybe I'm going to duck oh, it dude, down. I have like so. four video ideas that we can do. Oh really? Lined we up. Do, yeah, we should do more video. Okay, because you I know, was, here's my concept: is that you can that there's just light, not actively developed anymore. It works fine in the browser, right? Meaning, yeah. tests. You know, and I, you know, I know your feelings on tests are different. But there's a there's a fun way to do a video style. Tell us if, right in if, you, if people have ideas for this. But you know, like Cassidy Williams has a newsletter, and at the bottom of it, there's always like an interview question. But you know, not only in her newsletter, but there's you know, you Google the route and you can find interview questions like that. We could solve them on YouTube's by the first thing you do is write the little just test that's like test mm-hmm. this function and make and, and assume that it gets to the right value, and then we sit down and we think out the solution to it. Use Copilot. <laughs> <laughs> Not available in CodeFed. Sorry. Oh, they didn't okay. uh, license that to us for free. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of fun. And I just think of it cause I, I've been watching all these like calming Sudoku videos where they just calmly like use logic to solve the problem. I'm like, Oh, Dave and I could do that. We'll just, but we'll have to, We'll we'll soothe just tests. Oh, what's what's the cracking the Sudoku or what? Is yeah, the, cracking the, the cryptic baby. Crafting the cryptic. I love this guy. He's like full ASMR. Uh, but this is a little bonus segment at the end. If you stayed for listening to this, uh, tweet us a, a high five emoji and we'll high five you back. Um, anyway, it's the uh, like that guy is so calming. Uh, but I just love what what does he call the the people who make the test for him? Aren't they some, they have a, like a word like the oh, wizards, just constructors or, or builders? The, yeah, yeah. So he, but he's like, oh, this is a just a fantastic one. Oh, there's only one square filled. How yeah. am I going to do this? Yeah, the Philomath square or the F- F- Fistafel 
That's my yeah. favorite one. The Fistafel ring is this like he's a he's a constructor, but he's also famously has all these proofs, right? Because some of the the really hard Sudokus, you have to you can't just be like, I'm gonna see if there's a three in row five, and there's a <laughs> yeah, three in row. Right. You're like, no, no, that crap is log sailed. You know, watching these guys solve Sudokus, they have to use like theorems and stuff to prove stuff. Yeah, and they're like, well, we all know that this. Row adds up to 45. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to be a two or three. You're like, huh? How did, how did, anyway, it's great. That's Wonderful. good stuff. Yeah. All right. We can be this, we can be cracking the cryptic for JavaScript tests. Perfect. I'll crack it. Let's go. All right, Chris, you got anything else you'd like to say? All right. See you later. Shopdogshow.com, blah, blah, blah.